Hello, everybody. Jeff Mason, Simple Biz 360 Podcast, Episode 101. Can you believe we turned this corner already? Wow. Hey, let me say something first before we even start. Matt and Dietz behind the glass. Great job last week, guys, on Episode 100. I mean, come on, give them a hand, right? Yeah, they deserve it. I'm telling you, guys, give it the old soccer clap. Come on, all right. Beautiful. Listen, they did a great job on 100. We had a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, thank you to Kara and Julie at uh, From Scratch Bakehouse as well. We really, really appreciate it. So we're excited to go into the second 100 episodes, guys. And uh, we're going to do something a little different at the end of each show. We've got a different sign-off. It'll, it'll sound a little different and have a little bit of uh, coolness to it, I hope, at the end. And, and we're going to do something, uh, you know there that, that kind of uh, changes things up. And then today on the set, we're going to go through something that's really cool. Uh, some two experiences I had that are going to kind of set the stage. And, and before we begin, let's just go over some subscription news. If you want to subscribe, if we've never had you as a subscriber before, if you're on YouTube signed in, uh, you can go in and, and subscribe to Simple Biz 360 Podcast, or you can actually, uh, on this screen, lower right-hand corner, if you're watching it now, You'll see a little favicon there. You just hover your cursor over. It'll take you to YouTube. You subscribe there. And then we're on 27 listening channels. So that means, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, you know, you name it, we're on it. And uh, having a lot of fun doing that. It really sounds great. These guys do a super job here in St. Louis at Half Coast Studios on really putting some phenomenal sound and color and visual experience to this as well. So we're excited about that. And I and I have to start off with an apology. I'm going to rewind to episode 97 with Heather Creech. Uh, I haven't been in the studio since episode 97 released, but I just want to apologize to her and her family. Why is that? Well, her maiden name is Duncan and her family has served our country in the armed forces for three generations in the Duncan family. And when Heather was here doing our show in the studio, I forgot to put the American flag up right behind her. And I feel terrible about that because I wanted to do honor and justice to your family. Thank you, Duncan family, for three generations of service. And thank you, everybody, for your service out there. And we, our heart goes out to everyone in Afghanistan that is trying to get back home and get out of that mess. And we just, uh, we, we love you guys and thank you for, for all you've done out there. So we've really got a, a cool show today. We're going to call it Hawkeyes. So what is Hawkeyes, right? Well, this canvas right here is compliments of Ed Phillips. And if you remember Ed, he was our episode 91. So you can find and buy Ed Phillips artwork at Ed, P-H-I-L-1-L-I-P-S, fineart.com. And you can get a hold of all his different paintings there. He's got a great YouTube channel. He does time lapse uh, videos of painting and he has a, t a couple time lapses of of this hawk as well but we're going to be doing this episode called Hawkeyes and why are, have we titled it that well a hawk sees really really well in fact a hawk in general uh, has eight times the acute eyesight of humans so it's just you know they see so much better than we do the way that God structured their eyes so we are going to use this uh, episode to catapult us into uh, the next 100 which is going to focus on the experience, the new frontier, and you're going to hear me say a lot about this. The new frontier now is the experience of doing business. And we're going to say, if you want to, if you can improve the how 
you do business, you will invariably improve the results of your business because people are tuned in to how now. Fact is kind of, it's sad to say, but going out the window in so many cases that people are looking at you know, the experience, the emotions they got. Did that, did that, did that transaction feel good? Was it smooth? Was it quick? You know, did it feel good? And we, we want that experience. So we want to deliver good experiences. And I'm going to go over just a couple things here to show you, um, you know, what we mean by that. Now, uh, just a quick recap. Everything that you see uh, that we talk about in our book, which I don't have with me, but that's not a problem. Simple Biz 360, Timeless Business Tools. You've seen it before. Our book is predicated on what we call the silent business killers. What does that mean? The silent business killers uh, was from a TARP study back in 1985 or 86. I read it in 88, and it really stuck with me, and, and, it, and I watched it and monitored it for 30 years, and it's been been the essence, the epicenter of this book. And what does it say? It says that 26 out of 27 people who have a bad experience with a company don't report it back to the company. And why is that? Simply because they don't expect anything to change. Now, 91% of those people who had that bad experience, 26 out of 27, they just leave. They never tell you. They just disappear. They evaporate. They're gone. It's now throwing you into a mode where you've got to reinvent a customer, find a lost, replace a lost customer. And, and, and that, that has a cost of five times um, what it costs to get a customer to, to, to replace a customer. It's five times the cost. So we don't want to do that either. So, so what happens? 91% of the people leave? Well, a great majority of those people go on to tell nine or 10 people about their negative experience. So they're kind of sinking your company with negative experiences. Well, 13% of those malcontents tell 20 or more people. So we call it silent business killing strikes. There's a lot of that activity out there that's hurting your company and you don't even know about it. Why? Because you failed to do something right or you failed to do something at all. And we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to put some hawk eyes on this so that you understand as we go into this new frontier about um, the experience, how we do business, you're going to really pick up some, some great examples here of, of what this means and, and, and how it looks in action, if you will. So let's, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start right now on these top boxes here. I'm going to tell you a back order story. Both these stories I'm going to tell you today happened to me, and I want, I'm going to bring you examples of it. So in this back order story, I had a customer, you'll see seven different purchase orders num numbers on these stickers here. And this customer would give us purchase orders. They were an annuity customer, which is great because they kept coming back for more and more of the same product. But from time to time, they'd order something, and we didn't have that particular size. Um, so we had to wait for the next shipment to come in. So the customer decided, yes, rather than ship me what you have and cancel off what's on back order, keep those items on back order and ship them to me when they come in. So the truck would come in and invariably in this case, and this is a case where the customer called me. So I'm using a real live case where the customer called me about this. So the truck comes in and unloads and bingo, he's got seven different purchase orders. He's got one unit on each purchase order that needs to be shipped to him. 
So a picking ticket in a distribution center is issued and a distribution center worker goes out into the shelves and picks from a bin that particular item in, in its size and color, whatever the, that item is, and brings it to the distribution center floor. Now, in this case, seven purchase orders were identified through a pick ticket that day. And so seven items came to the distribution center floor. But instead of packing those seven items in one affordable box shipment, we packed each item in a somewhat oversized box. And so now this item cost $11 to ship to the customer. Now, in this box represents $18 of profit for the customer. So what we just did is we basically said, hey, you had $18 profit there, but we're going to ship you your back order in one box, going to cost you $11. So now you only get $7 profit. So now out of all these back orders, you're going to end up getting, instead of $126 in profit, oh, Mr. Customer, you're only going to get $49. Why is that? Because, Mr. Customer, it's easier for us to get a picking ticket, go to the bin, pull the product out, bring it out, and put it into one box and ship you that one box so we keep all the purchase orders nice and neat. That's why, Mr. Jones, we're doing this for you this way. Sorry we eroded your profit, but that's how we do business. So the customer called me and said, Jeff, why in the world are you doing this? He says, this is crazy. You could have decided to do this, right? You could have put all of those seven back orders into one nice box, and those seven back orders would fit in a box just about like this. And based on the weight and the cost, it would have cost me $21 to ship rather than cost me $77 to ship. In that case, if you look at my initial profit of $126, now my profit is $105. By putting everything in one box, you've just given me $56 of my profit back. Thank you, Jeff. Now, when I took this scenario to the company and said, can we not do business this way, and can we start to do business this way? They said, no, that's not, that's not easy for us. We're not going to do that. Really? So you're just going to continue to do this to customer after customer. That's the way we do business. We're not going to change. Oh, okay. So do you think this, I should say, this customer who experiences this over and over and over, what do you really think they have to say about our company? Do you really think it's healthy commentary? Do you really think that he doesn't um, conduct himself in ways where he shows his displeasure to other brands, other vendors, other business owners? And you don't think he silent business strikes our company? You better believe he silent business strikes our company. And you better believe that we're probably not his first tier supplier for this product. We're probably number six because he's tired of dealing with this type of situation. So an easy correction, which again, I was unable to successfully get was, hey, this could have given him $56 back. So let's park here for a second. 
everyone listening to this, I don't care what you do, what business you're in, you all have situations where you could put Hawkeyes on how you do things and what you do, and you could figure out things you're doing wrong or you're not doing that could be corrected and could give that profit back to your customer. I mean, far be it from me. How I mean, how does this guy feel good about doing business with me if I'm taking $56 out of his pocket when I could be putting it back in by making one separate change? How difficult would that be on the distribution center floor? Let me imagine for a second, if you will, what that sound like? Hey, uh, distribution center manager, are, do we have any boxes set up for this customer, XYZ company? Oh, we do? Okay, because I got some back orders coming. We're going to put it in one box, all right? Distribution center manager. Yeah, no problem. That'll save the guy some shipping. It's probably all it took, but nobody cared. Nobody cared enough to correct it in the future. So that's problem number one. Now, here's another situation that I was able to get corrected, but again, let's put some Hawkeyes on it. What was the situation? Situation was I made industrial apparel, and I made industrial apparel, and that apparel um, was under warranty. It had a warranty to it um, that, that was necessary for the industry using this apparel because it was high-end performance apparel. So when something would go wrong, uh, we would have to fix that snap or zipper, you know, do whatever we need to do to fix that particular piece of apparel. And I must say the company I worked for did a phenomenal job on, on execution in original production. We had very few failures, very few necessity, uh, or very few I issues where we had to perform uh, any type of warranty, but you know, we, we, we do from time to time. So I, I made a very, very large, um, had a very, very large distribution of product. We had a, about 4,400 pieces out to a customer and we had 36 pieces come back uh, that, that needed warranty attention. Long story short, we, you know, we had our own ills. We fumbled it kind of through the dealer. We fumbled it through our customer service. I ended up taking over the, the call to action on getting the 36 pieces uh, fixed. It took, you know, now we're now like into eight months. It should have been fixed eight months ago. Now I'm taking it over and, and I'm engineering the, the repair of these items. And lo and behold, one day I'm in my office and uh, I get a package that instead of going to the customer, it came to me. So I go, wow, okay, one of these warranty items came back to me. I never saw a warranty item. I didn't know how it looked or what it looked like. And here's what it looked like. So I open the box up and it's a fairly oversized box. And I open it up and here's what I find. I find a piece of apparel falling out of it like this, crumpled up, no hanger, no poly bag, no note, no nothing. That's what it looks like. And it's in a box much bigger than this, by the way. I couldn't find one for the show that, that actually showed the right size. I'm like, this is crazy. How can, this is what the customer ends up seeing from us when they get that repair? That's absolutely atrocious. So I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to the company, and um, I, I, uh, I'm going to move away from the mic here for a second. So I write a letter to the company, and I take a couple pictures, and I say, listen, is there any way we could do this differently in the future? I, I happened to get this warranty item by mistake, and it absolutely blew me away that that's the state of affairs that we take the customer through when we do a repair. And, and this, is a, this is a high-end industrial customer, professional customer. So I said, first of all, why don't we ship it 
in a box that's designed for one piece of apparel. So it's designed for just one warranty, right? It fits one garment, if you will. Gosh, wouldn't it be cool if we just put a little thank you note in there, a little postcard, make it up, Vistaprint, you can buy 500 of these on 40% off days for, you know, 67 bucks. And on the back, maybe have a little note, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, thank you so much for being a a customer of ours, we, we apologize for this warranty repair need. We, we certainly appreciate you bringing it to our attention. We've repaired the garment um, to bring it to restore it back to its 100% usefulness. And we hope you can forgive us for, you know, causing you this delay or, you know, whatever, right? Something nice, right? And, and so I said, why don't we do that? And then, wow, why don't we put that piece of apparel on a hanger and in a poly bag, and send it back nice and neat with that little note. Wouldn't that be a little bit better for, I don't know, customer perception for hmm, the experience of doing business with us? Well, lo and behold, what this company didn't know is all those professional people who have been getting these things, what do you think they really thought about opening up a box where the garment's falling out with no poly bag and no hanger? Yeah, they're MFing us right and left, calling us names, t- talking trash about us. And again, where do we, you know, <laughs> that's not healthy for the customer perception. My goodness, you're an important customer. Let me show you how important you are, Mr. Customer. I put a little set of Hawkeyes on things and came up with a solution. How difficult is that, right? And we all have situations like this, guys. We all have them where we can find opportunity for improvement, opportunity to give profitability back to the customer, opportunity to put a smile on that customer face, opportunity for that customer to go out and preach good things about our company as opposed to you know, dishing out silent business killer strikes right and left. So again, two real-life examples. I was successful in getting the company to change this, and to this day, I believe that I, I, I resigned from the company many years ago, but I, I would have to believe that they now um, still send out warranty repair that way and uh, say thank you in the process. I've, I've seen some at the, uh, at the retail level. In, in my travels. So anyway, that's just a little bit of, you know, those are some two real life experiences. And again, I challenge you to look into your own business, use your own microscope on the mechanics and the things you do. More importantly, become your customer. Do it in a way where you can receive packages that are unbiased. You know, the person doesn't know that you're shipping them. You know, I, I, I used to work in retail and I, I always found this funny. I was in security in college. And so I would work, um, I would, you know, pick, pick up shoplifters. I'd work the cameras and I worked the store on surveillance. And basically I, I prevented, you know, um, shoplifters from leaving the store with products. So um, any rate, once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year, all the big muckety mucks would come from corporate and they would descend on the store and do a white glove test on the store. And so the muckety mucks would give us a week's notice. Heads up, right? Well, and then we're all working overnight, crews are doing the floors and tidying up the departments and everybody's doing everything. Everybody's looking good. Everybody's got everything ship shape. We're all working overnight and they come through and everything works well and they leave. And a week later, the store looked like it did for, for five and a half months until they came again. Why? What does that do? That does nothing. 
That does nothing for the store. It does nothing for the help. It does nothing for the process. If you really want to see what the store is not doing right, you just pop in on it. Just like you, you pop in on your own product, buy it, warranty it, use, you know, use a, um, use a fictitious, you know, use somebody else to do it that doesn't know they're affiliated with you and see and, and look at what it feels like. Send mystery shoppers in to your restaurant. If you have a restaurant, get them to tell you what the experience is like. You really need to become your customer to understand and what it is they're getting or not getting. So just, just some ideas there. Um, but, you know, we thought you would like some real-life examples to kick off uh, this new era, uh, what we're calling the, um, you know, the new frontier, which is the experience frontier. I'm passionate about it. You know that. I, I, it, to me, it's always been the experience. To me, I, I, you remember me telling you about the Starbucks Great Dig, the big dig back in the mid-90s that they did. And what did they find out? They found out, in a long story short, that they were serving people coffee. They were not serving coffee to people. It's the experience. It's atmos atmospheric. They, people want the good experience and atmosphere. So enough being said, I hope uh, you enjoyed today's podcast. And we are going to zoom in on a really cool um, Lost in the Shuffle track. And if you've been with this show for a while, you know Lost in the Shuffle tracks just really dipping back into some old rock and roll archives, pulling some really cool stuff out that has some some great appeal and, and you maybe haven't heard it. Maybe it was one of my favorites, but it wasn't yours or you didn't even know about the song. So we're going to dip back into Jethro Tull, which I love. Uh, Jethro Tull um, is out of Ireland and they were, you know, came on the scene late 60s and really did a great job. I love him. Love Ian Anderson. Love uh, how he played the what he called the school recorder, which would be known as a flute. But he played a Yamaha school recorder and a lot of the, the, the songs that you hear him with the flute. But they did a great song off their Benefit album. And it was really, it was a coming home song. It was, you know, they were on tour for so long and, you know, the, it, you're away from the family, from good diets, from neighbors, friends, loved ones. You know, you're out of your element. It, it, it's hard on some of these guys. And, you know, they, these guys, you know, they, they might have uh, partaken in some uh, liquor along the way, but they really, you know, at least Ian wasn't a druggie or anything like that, wasn't wrapped up in all that. But he wrote this song about, the, the experience of coming home after a long time on the road. And it's on the Benefit album, which is their third album, 1970, Cry You a Song. To Cry You a Song is phenomenal. It's awesome. You're going to love it. I, I really hope uh, you like Jethro Tell. It's got some great... And, and Jethro, or Ian Anderson, called this album his guitar riff album. So some great uh, guitar riffs on this song, about six minutes long. I hope you enjoyed. And we're going to do a new sign-off uh, to, to kind of celebrate this new frontier of the experience frontier, if you will. So every week we're going to sign off and say, look, if you can improve the how you do business, you will improve the results. It's going to match up. It really is. Try it. Just try some of the things we're going to talk about in the next 100 episodes, and I, I really do think you're going to love it. And then we're just going to sign off and say the following. You know what? Guys, in life, just do your own research. Be a truth teller. Do yourself a favor and turn off the TV cable news. Turn on a podcast. Enjoy listening to podcasts. Open your Bible. Pray and always love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And we will see you in 168 hours. Take care, guys. Ciao.